Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is God's word. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Okay. If you guys would uh, pray with me one final time, and we will uh, get crack a lack in here. Father in heaven, God, we, uh, we thank you for this, uh, this wonderful day. We thank you for um, being able to gather. Uh, we thank you for those of us who, um, yeah, just, just that we're here, that we're together, that we've got uh, food from a delicious future potluck just sitting in the kitchen, that we can come before you to listen to your word, to pray, to just be among like-minded people who are trying to follow you. And uh, I pray, God, that you would just, uh, just open all of our hearts, even my own, as I'm doing the speaking, that we would uh, really come to meditate on this idea of rest, as I know that uh, it can be a challenge for us. As simple as it sounds, it can be a challenge for us. So please help us. Help us to rest um, physically, help us to rest emotionally, and help us to rest in a way that we're, that we're with you and that you're with us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a good chance that if you here are an American citizen, born and raised in America, that you most likely believe in this thing called hard work. There was a study, not to say that if, you, if you're not from the U.S., not, that there wasn't a shot at South Africa, Roland, I promise. Um, but statistically, there was a study that was done uh, about in 2015 that suggested that um, they asked people from a number of different countries, both developing and, uh, and otherwise, what were the keys to success? What did it take to be a successful person? And they threw out options like having an education, uh, having a lot of money, having people in, uh, in high places, like good networking opportunities. And something that Americans said far disproportionately compared to other people in other countries was, if you really want to be successful, you need to work hard. Hard work is the key that gets you to where you want to be, more so than education, more so than knowing the right people, more so even than money. And many of the fields and industries that I'd say even we find ourselves working in, people who are valuable are those who are willing to stay late and show up early and sign up for overtime and cover their coworkers' shifts and all that. And if you are asked to cover an extra shift or to stay a little late and you say, actually, I, uh, I really need to rest, so I'm not going to do that, it immediately it's like, oh, well, so-and-so is just lazy. They just don't want to do stuff. But that's a lot of that is because of the American lens that we have and that we've inherited by being this like, very hard work prone nation. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to advocate for uh, you know, slacking off or doing less than is asked of us, but we as a nation culturally tends to really, really value working hard and tends to see it in a much more positive light. Now, the interesting thing about that is that when I talk to people, many of them sitting in this room right now, they tell me the same story over and over, which is, John, when I'm working, I feel amazing. 
I feel productive. I feel like God is smiling on me when I'm working. I feel great. And then I go home or I have a day off or I go on vacation and I feel terrible because I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know how to feel productive. At the end of my day, I have nothing that I can hold up to Jesus and say, look, I made this for you. Rest feels wrong. It feels ugly. It feels lazy. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, what does the Bible say about rest? Because if we're uh, reading our Bibles from the American culture translation, which I just made up right now, they would probably have removed the passage that Sarah read for us earlier that said that rest isn't just something that we're supposed to do, but it's something that God himself would do to demonstrate for us. So we'll, we'll slow down. Let's, uh, let's give us a good definition to work with for rest. This is, this is what I came up with. Rest is the intentional pausing of work to seek peace and to be refreshed. I'll say that again. Uh, rest is the intentional pause of work to seek peace and to be refreshed. Um, cool theologian by the name of Walter Brueggemann calls rest the refusal to let one's life be defined by production and consumption and the endless pursuit of private well-being. That's just such a killer quote. Now, in the passage that Sarah read for us, many of you are familiar. It's Genesis 2. This is right near the beginning of the Bible. And this is following the creation story. God uh, called all these beautiful things into existence. He, he called night and day and the sun and the stars and, and the earth and the waters. And pretty much all he hadn't made were the people yet. And he rested. Actually, that's not true. He did make people. Sorry. Sometimes. <laughs> My bad. Um, so God rested. And the interesting thing is like, why on earth would God rest? You don't get the picture that God's exhausted. You wouldn't think that God was like really worn out from six days of creation and needed a siesta. Like God chose to rest, chose to kick his feet up and not do anything for the last day of the week just to enjoy the thing that he's made. And you know, I, I think that that is something that we need to highlight when it comes to rest as well, is that rest allows us the opportunity to enjoy and to delight in the thing that we've been working towards in those six days of work. But ultimately, God is resting because God is painting and creating and preparing this idea and this place of rest, that he wouldn't just dwell in alone, but that God would be inviting all of his people to join in. See, rest isn't just something that God does here. Rest is like a constant theme that we see through both the Old and the New Testament. Rest was literally a commandment to the point to where if you worked during the day of rest in the nation of God's people, you had broken the law. Like you would actually be penalized and punished if you worked when you weren't supposed to. Rest was a very serious thing within the biblical narrative. And when the New Testament kind of opens up and we see Jesus and a lot of things that we'll get into in a second, 
Rest is not just a commandment of not working. Rest is actually a place that God is inviting us to experience in a partial place now and in fullness in the future. I think rest reminds us that we're not made to be human factories. God didn't just make us to make things. Rest reminds us that we're not the sum of the things that we do, whether we're plumbers, salesmen, parents, regardless. The things that we do is not the thing that we are, and that is what rest is reminding us of. Rest forces us to recognize that we are, as unfortunate as it sounds, kind of depend, dependent on things. Something that's perfect never needs to rest, but we're not perfect. Our bodies need rest. We know that. Our, our bodies start to freak out when we don't get the rest that we need. We can experience that same stuff emotionally and mentally as well. So the, the, the idea is clear, but it still isn't easy. Because like I mentioned earlier, rest doesn't feel virtuous. It doesn't feel Christian. It feels lazy. It feels unproductive. And sometimes we're doing really good work. And to let that work go undone feels irresponsible. And in a society like ours, you're actually celebrated for sacrificing your well-being to get something done rather than taking the time to rest when you need it. Now, there's a lot of ways that uh, I think an interesting, cool development that we're kind of seeing in the culture right now is the terms like self-care are becoming very well-known. I think even some companies are starting to adopt like incentives. They want people to take their time to themselves more seriously. They want people to take the time off they get at work. And so a lot of people are taking up different habits to improve their rest. And there's lots of things that we can do, like, like sleep is an obvious one, like doing meaningful like hobbies that we enjoy, reading, alone time if you're an introvert, time with loved ones if you're an extrovert. There's all these things that we can do. But I think even that has still been problematic for many of us. We take the time and we say, okay, well, I'm going to block this part of my time out and I'm going to do something that I enjoy. And then when that time is up, you just kind of feel still really lousy. And I do think that before we get into, I think some of the ideas behind meaningful rest, we have to talk about an important distinction. And that's the difference between rest and escapism. Because I think that, like, I mean, my, my phone is never more than three inches away from me. I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that if I'm having, like, coffee with someone and they get up to go to the bathroom, I'll be darned before I stare off into space for more than 30 seconds. No, my phone is coming out, and I am checking my notifications. And if I don't have any, I get to scrolling. Like, 
I wake up in the morning. Like for me, uh, a day where I get to just rest and not have to set an alarm is a day where I wake up just as early as I would have, but I spend an extra long time just right here, just in my, in my safe space. The bummer is that it doesn't feel restful. It doesn't feel good at all for me. And I think there's a lot of these habits that people are developing, whether it's social media or using our phones or video games. These are all things that I, that I enjoy in my own personal life. I'm not saying any of these are completely destructive. But a lot of times, the things that we do with a mind towards rest are just what we're doing to shut our brains off long enough to not think about the work that we don't want to do. And then when Sunday night comes around, this huge feeling of dread comes up because we know that our time of rest is over and we didn't actually enjoy it and we don't actually feel any better. And the interesting thing is following this theme of rest that, again, we started here in God's own example, resting on the seventh day. And we zoom forward in the Bible to the New Testament where Jesus is here and he's talking to his disciples and he says this groundbreaking thing where he says, if you're burdened and if you're tired and if you're weary, I want you to come to me and I will give you rest. And so much of these passages are talking about come to God and get the rest that you long for. Come to Jesus and get this beautiful rest. But for many of us, we're still not scratching that surface. And I'll say, I, I told you guys when we did the, the why Christians share their faith, and I told you all of my failed stories of trying to share the faith, I can say once again, humbly, vulnerably, I am a horrible rester. I, to the, I, at this very moment, I am very, very tired and very unrested. And I'm, I'm coming to you guys with hopefully a truth that will be encouraging, not just for you guys now, but hopefully for even myself to reflect on in the future. Because Jesus is offering a rest that's meaningful. And we see people leaning on rest all throughout the Bible. Like I think of David when he wrote Psalm 23, a psalm that a lot of us know. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That sounds like rest. So how do we get this? Here's what I'll say. And honestly, like, Given that this topic is on rest, if you guys want to write down the next sentence I read and then practice rest by just kind of snoozing a little bit, I think that this is entirely within the spirit of the topic today. I won't be, I won't be bothered. But I really do think this next sentence is probably the most important thing I'll say tonight. When we rest, we rest in the shade of God's promises. When we rest, we rest in the shade of God's promises. I'm gonna give you guys three promises that we're gonna walk into. And I want you to try to imagine these promises like a big, sturdy oak tree. 
that you would find rest in from this brutal, hot sun. And each section of this tree is going to be one of these three promises. Here's the first one. All will be well. Or more casually, everything's going to be okay. When God rested on the seventh day, he created something beautiful. He created something that was not flawed. He created something immaculate. And then he looked at it and he said, it's good. And he rested and he enjoyed it and it was awesome. Now we don't have the same experience with this. And I think that if we want to get to why resting is hard, we need to take the time to recognize that and touch that hurt a bit. I'll show you guys an example. I, I just this week, just this very Monday, I started a new job, a new part-time job. I'll still be here. Don't worry. And uh, I started a part-time job as a chaplain at a hospice facility. So I'm doing, thank you. <laughs> so I'm doing, uh, I'm providing spiritual care for people in the last stages of their life, usually racked with really painful terminal diseases and their families who are just wrapped up with the idea of my loved ones going to be gone very soon. Now I could be the best chaplain in the world surrounded by the best nurses in the world, surrounded by the best social workers in the world, we can never finish a work week and look out on all we've done and say, it's good. We can't because people are still dying, because families are still mourning, because the heavy weight of sin is still sitting squarely on the chest of the people that we're trying to serve. And we honestly might be serving and batting a thousand. But we can't look into the world that we're serving and working in and say, it's good, it's great, it's exactly as I hoped it would be. And that's not just unique to me because I work in a particularly sad occupation. If you're, if you're an educator, my, my wife, Annie, you guys know, she's a teacher. She's a great teacher. But she deals with kids who come from very, very difficult backgrounds. There's constant, just her trying to mediate issues and difficulties in the classroom, trying to get these kids to listen, praying that they might give a rip about the subject they're trying to learn, hoping that the relationship they're cultivating actually means something. She doesn't get to say, this is good. And many of us, regardless of the work we're doing, whether we're plumbers or carpenters or salesmen or engineers or whether we're just stay-at-home parents, we always walk out of a long work week without the ability to say, this is good. This is exactly as it should be. The burden of things not being as they should be is obvious. And that will make it very, very hard to rest. Because it's like, God, how can I rest? Look at how much more there is to be done. And yet, the promise that we can rest under, the promise that forms a big, mighty oak tree that provides us shade in the hot sun of the mortal coil that we're experiencing, is that all will be well. Maybe not today, 
Maybe not tomorrow, but we do have a promise that everything that we're experiencing, every terribly oppressed person will be liberated from that oppression. Every harsh disease will one day be cast away and never felt again. Every tear that is, that is ever cried will be wiped away to never fall on that person's face again. The, the, the phrase of God repeating himself and the phrases that he'd said in the book of Isaiah and all throughout the prophets, him and Revelation. This is the opposite of Genesis. We were just in the beginning. Now we're at the very end. And the one on the throne sitting down is saying, look, I am making everything new. And he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ends. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Revelation gets a bad rap. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of cryptic symbolism and stuff like that. Let, let me just say, if you're, if you're struggling with Revelation, skip to the last two chapters. And just, just, just soak in the promises of what God is saying about the new heavens and the new Jerusalem, the world that is being renewed around us, the promises that we get to look forward to. Everything is not well. We can see it, and I think that if we keep trying to fill our, our spare time with things to just shut our brains off to this harsh reality, then we're going to wonder why we never actually feel rested. So I think we need to actually take a finger and touch the hurt that we're experiencing, the hurt of things are not well, and remember and sit under the shade of everything will be well. We are sitting under a great and perfect and beautiful promise from a God who loves us. We are sitting under this shade in a place where Jesus has perfectly done all that needed to be done. So when we work and we feel like we're not doing enough, we can actually believe because it's true that your work is enough. God didn't make us to be machines. Your work is not the only valuable thing about you. It's important to rest. God can look at you and say, look, Jesus took care of this. You don't have to break your back. You don't have to shed your blood. Trust me, my son did it and he did a perfect job. Your work is enough. You are tremendously loved by God. What, what could bring you more rest than to know that the God who created you, who sustains the universe, who is holding all things in place, loves you and considers all things that you're experiencing the best thing you could have. The God who sees your sufferings and experiences them with you, but also says, these are just light and momentary afflictions, one day you'll experience glory that is much better than this. And I'll be with you then. And I'm also with you now. 
when you struggle to rest, just think not of all the self-care methods that you could practice. That's good too, you know. I, I, I like mindfulness. I like meditation. I think these are all very, very Christianable things to do. But when you're, when you're really aching from something, like I said, don't, don't cover your spare time with just things to numb the tension that you're feeling. Feel it. Feel it. Because God will fill it with you. You know, there's not much in terms of like the human experience that I think is more universal than this deep desire that we could rest. I think we're all tired, you know? I think we're all pretty tired. And so my, my encouragement for all of you guys is uh, when rest feels hard to come by, when rest feels distant, or when it feels monotone and repetitive, or when it feels like, like you're giving yourself something that isn't actually refreshing and recharging your soul, maybe take that brief moment away from the habits and the hobbies that you've looked to and take that brief moment of silence where you can speak honestly with God. Tell him about the things that are not well in your life that are weighing heavily on you. Ask him to encourage you. Spend some time with him there. He'll meet us there. You know, as we close, I think this is really the grand idea of why Sabbath rest in the Bible is always connected with the people of God coming together for worship. Because when we worship, it's, it's not just about the, the things that we read. It's not just about the songs that we sing or, or some dude standing up with a microphone giving a TED talk to you guys. Like, it's not about that. When we come together and worship, we're hearing the promises of God, the promises that have given rest to the hearts of God's people for thousands of years, for generations and generations. And we're saying, God, could you help me experience that promise as well? Yeah, that's all I've got. Let's pray. Father, Lord, um, yeah, it is, a, it is a privilege to be able to work. <laughs> it really is. It's a blessing to know that your kingdom is accomplishing this redemptive work in the world around us is amazing to know that you are doing something in us and in the world around us is amazing. To know that we get to be little, little Christians who can share in the renewing and restorative process of your kingdom is amazing. And uh, I hope that we can enjoy that 
But Lord, I also pray that you would just help us find that, that pathway that leads to rest for us. I think that honestly for each of us, it probably looks different because the obstacles that are closing us out of true rest look very different for each of us. I don't know what those longings look like, but I do know that you're willing to meet us there. And God, I, it, I, I, I've said it before, I'm lousy at resting, and I know many who have told me the same. But God, please, give us that rest that allows us to feel refreshed by you. Give us that rest that reminds us that even though things are not good today, that you are making all things new. Give us that rest that reminds us that our work is enough because Jesus has done everything. Give us that rest that reminds us that we are cherished and loved and deeply cared for by you. And will we please sit under that tree and experience shade. And I pray that in all of it that you would be with us and that we would feel your presence with us as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So team, we're going to move into the next part of our service here. We're going to respond to this in three ways, uh, three ways of worship. Uh, the first is that Mike and the band are going to come back up and lead us in different forms of uh, in, uh, in musical worship. Uh, the second is that we're going to have the opportunity to share in the Lord's Supper, which I'll talk about more in a second. And the last is that we have the opportunity to worship through giving. We have a tablet in the back. We also have a little box if people still like the, uh, the, the paper monies. And uh, the way that we approach giving is we recognize that all things that we receive in life, all beautiful blessings and gifts that we receive are all gifts from God. And just like everything that God has given us, it's not meant for us to be uh, received and then hoarded and kept to ourselves, but it's something that we receive and then we give out graciously. And giving in this context allows us the opportunity to give back to God something that he has given us. It's not something we do out of obligation or out of guilt or out of shame, but it's something that we're invited to do, invited to do out of joy and out of gratitude that we could give back to God a portion of the good thing that he's given us. And so uh, as, we, uh, as we go into the Lord's Supper, let me just explain. The Lord's Supper is kind of a, a throwback to Jesus when he was sitting with his disciples the night before he was crucified he, uh, he told them that just as they ate the bread, that it would represent his body, which would be broken. And as they would drink the wine, it would, rem it would be symbolic of the blood that he would shed on the cross as well. And he also told his disciples that he would not eat bread, nor would he drink wine until he did it anew in the kingdom, which was to come face to face with his people who he loves and loves dearly. So what we do is when we receive the Lord's Supper, it's this thing that allows us to remember Jesus cares for us. And Jesus cares for us to the point that he was willing to suffer and receive pain and dread and misery on our behalf. That the God of the universe would descend into the fragile state of humanity and suffer on our behalf so that we could be reconciled to him. And so we're invited to the Lord's Supper as a remembrance of that, but also as a literal blessing as we receive Christ through the bread and through the wine. And it's a blessing. And, uh, and it's also a version in which we can receive rest.
So for the next two minutes, the uh, lights are going to dim for a bit. We're going to have two minutes of complete silence. This is the opportunity for you guys to just pray in response to the message from, uh, from this afternoon. Just kind of get your heart straight with the Lord. This is a time, obviously, for confession, but also just a time where you can just share with the Lord what you feel needs to be communicated between the two of you. That time is yours. And then... Uh, we would invite anyone to join in worship. I would expressly invite anyone who even has that small amount of faith to put in Jesus to come and receive the Lord's Supper and receive the blessing that he has to offer you. So uh, let me start the prayer, <clears throat> and, then, uh, and then we'll have two minutes of silence. Lord, uh, we come to you, God, as always, aware that we are painfully unable to do the things that you have called us to we, we fall short in a million different ways. And fortunately, you knew that well before you ever loved us. And it didn't stop you from seeking us out. But um, God, we recognize that there were things this week that we should have done that we didn't do. And there are things that we should not have done that we did do. We recognize that we did not love our neighbor well. We did not love you well. We didn't love ourselves well. And so, Lord, help us to confess our sins to you now. But even, God, as we do it, please protect us from the evil one who seeks to give us guilt and shame and tear us down for the confession that we offer to you. But rather, would you provide us with this hope, with this beautiful promise that is true, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful to forgive us and to cast our sins away so there's nothing that separates us, that we are perfectly reconciled and we will be reconciled with you into eternity and that nothing can stop that. So Lord, we come to you as children who are loved by you, who you love, who you care for. Please receive our prayer. Please help us to pray. Amen.